That's a hockey, you know, it's only, it's only game. Young men expressing themselves for joy. Why do you have to be mad? These guys are jerks. It's only game. It's a cheap game. It's only game. Why do you have to be mad? Hello, couple fans, and welcome to episode 7 of the 2021 season of Mark Kellen's Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantasy League Stat Attack Podcast, presented by JNSoftware.ca, powered by Kevin E. Bear. I'm your host, John Newhold. Thank you for joining us. Last week in the Cupful, half the teams won and the other half lost. Let's find out why. Today on the show, Tier 1's playoff picture starts to take shape, but one team outside the top six is making a run. We'll learn more today. Special guest interviewer Elon talks about the history of the Cupful with Tier 2's Matthew. We look forward to that interview. And the Fast Track leaderboard starts to spread out a little. In our highlighted match of the week, one manager leaves an active player on his IR on Sunday. Will it come back to bite him? First, our Tier 1 update, and the chase for the ultimate prize in fantasy hockey. In Tier 1, last week, Mark's reign at the top of the standings came to a swift end after a loss to Dave. That's two wins in a row against top teams for the now 3-5 and five Dave. Is a comeback in the making? Meanwhile, Dustin reclaimed sole possession of first place at 7-1 and one with his victory over Lewis. Elon's Adrian Kempe-fueled dismantling of Joe and Ben's win over Michael R., thanks to a shockingly productive goaltending duo of Bobrovsky and Halak, have created a logjam with Jordan and Lewis, all at 5-3. and three. Best poised to steal a playoff spot is Jeff, alone at 4-4. Four and four. But time is running out for the five, three and 5-3-5 teams, with only four weeks left to go. In Tier 1 trade news, Dustin's been trawling the Discord channel for a defenseman, both Dave and Ben have expressed interest, but no deals have been finalized. Meanwhile, Dave has been trying to take advantage of Mantha's short hot streak by offering him up for ever-increasing quantities of fab. For our Kakupful website highlight, in addition to the many graphs and tables of stats on the website, Kakupful.com also hosts a link to Mark's extensive stat attack spreadsheet, which breaks down details on each team in the Kakupful, including yours and mine. Looking at the stat attack spreadsheet, I learned that my team ranks among the highest in the Cupful for shots, hits, and goals, but in the bottom third for assists. Hope my shooters don't go cold. You can also see graphs showing your progress up the divisional rankings and fast-track leaderboard over the season. Mark's expected win percentage metrics give you a good idea if your current record is warranted or if your position in the standings has been positively or negatively affected by the random chance of who you've been playing against in a given week. Make sure to click on Stat Attack on Kakupful.com and scroll down to the Stat Attack spreadsheet section to download it today. Today's guest interview is with Matthew, the manager of Pasta La Vista Baby in Tier 2 San Jose. Matthew's been a longtime participant in the Kakupful. Get his perspective on how the league has progressed over the years and his approach to fantasy strategy. Over to our guest interviewer, Elon. Hello, everybody. Elon here, stepping in for Marcus, who's taking a well-deserved week off of Stat Attack interviews. I've got a really fun interview for you today. Joining me is longtime Cupful participant Matt Dogallo, who's been around now for four years, is currently in Tier 2 San Jose, and he's right at the top of the standings, and he's going to explain to all of us how he got there. Welcome to the show, Matt. Thanks a lot, Elon, for having me. This is exciting. 
Yeah, I'm really excited to talk to you. I've seen you on Discord and Facebook over the years, and finally we get to meet. And I have to admit, aside from knowing that you're really good at fantasy hockey, I don't know much about you. So maybe we can start by you could just tell us a little bit about yourself, where you live, like what you do for a living. Sure thing. So I'm uh, living in Boston, Massachusetts, right outside of Boston in Cambridge, um, right down the street from Harvard University. A little bit about myself. I, I'm a student, or I was a student. I studied chemistry at Northeastern University. I uh, just got my PhD this past year, uh, but at Northeastern, I got the opportunity to see some uh, great hockey action. Uh, the Northeastern hockey team won the Beanpot over three times since I was there. Uh, they are nice. also the recent Hockey East champions, and I was able to see uh, stars in the NHL, such as Zach Aston Reese and Adam Gaudet, huh. uh, play play all the time. Hey, Zach Aston Reese, he may not be a big star, but he's played alongside some big stars over the last couple of years in Crosby and Malkin. So that's pretty exciting that you know someone that knows them. Exactly. I, I almost had the opportunity to be these guys TA if they took some chemistry courses. Oh, wow. <laughs> that would have been good to get some gossip about how Reese and Gaudet are in their chemistry classes. Okay, so let's focus on fantasy now. Like I said, you've been in the couple for a while. How did you get into fantasy hockey in the first place? Right. So uh, I was a little bit into hockey when I was younger. I played hockey as, as a kid and joined a men's league when I was a little bit older. But uh, some of my friends wanted to start a fantasy hockey league. I was playing fantasy football at the time. So I jumped in. It was just a group of five of us and we had a points league. Uh, from there, we expanded to a categories league with face-off wins, which I really have a, a soft spot for face-off wins in categories. Mm. But uh, after winning for three times in a row in, in that league with friends, I started to look elsewhere for, for some more competition. And also it was a plus minus category league and I uh, just wanted to get away from that too. Oh, so is your league with your friends no longer happening? It's, it's happening, but it's, uh, there, there are a lot of inactive managers and it's, I'm fine with winning. It's like cousin Dave says, it's okay if you're in a clown league, as long as you win. Right. Exactly. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, I guess like I've been in some leagues with friends. But yeah, that's the biggest problem, I think, is the inactive managers. And that's like always the big struggle in the cupful as well. We're always like looking through all the rosters and seeing who hasn't logged in in a while. It's like, hey, do you still want to play? You can't just kick people out, obviously. That's not nice. Hey, uh, if you don't mind, want to set your lineups? Or if not, maybe do you want me to replace your team? It's cool either way. But anyways, that's never been a problem for you. So you have a storied history in the couple. So this is year six. You came in in season three. And right away, you, you started at the bottom, Tier 4 Smaland at the time, and you won your division. That jumped you up to Tier 2. Now you've been in Tier 2 for these next three seasons. So, uh, but I guess maybe taking a step back, like how did you then find the Cupful in particular? And tell me what it was like going in and then right away winning your first year. So I was looking to try to expand my fantasy hockey knowledge after uh, kind of being inside of my little bubble. Uh, so I reached out and took a look at to see what, uh, podcasts were out there. I saw uh, you guys way at the top. I started listening to the podcast in 2017, and I tried to jump in as a replacement manager right off the bat, but so many people just want to be in this league, and now I can definitely understand why. Uh, but was very excited to start in Tier 4. I uh, drafted Eric Carlson in my in my first draft. I think I got nice. Blake Wheeler. He was a good steal there, too. Uh, but have been stuck in Tier 2 and waiting to, to reach for uh, that tier one ultimate glory. Yeah, well, so yeah, three years in a row, I see you've come like fourth, you've come fifth, but yeah, you need to be in the top two in order to climb to tier one. 
But this season is looking pretty good for you at this point. You're six and one, Pasta La Vista, over in Tier Two, San Jose. Uh, I like the uh, logo here. It looks like it's Pasternak dressed as the Terminator. That's exactly right. How did you make that? I have Microsoft Paint skills over the years <laughs> of just making really bad <laughs> uh, logos for my teams. So I see you're in second place. You're six and one. There's one team, Filthy Animal, who I know very well. He was in tier one for a while, Mike. So he's uh, beating you and Brian, who's also six and one. So we've got Mike at seven and zero. Oh, then you two at six and one. I guess you and Brian both fighting for the bye along with Mike. So only the top two get to skip that first round. In which case you would only be, if you get a bye, you're only one win away from guaranteeing yourself a spot in tier one. So how are you uh, viewing your plans for the rest of the season? Are you like playing right now? Got to get that by or are you just you know trying to make the best team possible regardless of whether you get the buy or not so i'm definitely trying to make that buy uh i'm optimizing my schedule to try to uh, succeed in the semifinal. in the final not as concerned just right. got to get to the semifinal. uh you mentioned a filthy animal man i played uh mike right i played mike in week one and i thought i was so smart keeping varlamov in my ir and uh, I think he was injured, or I, I, I just didn't have him play in that one game against the Boston Bruins in the beginning of the season. He ended up uh, getting a shutout, and it cost me the week. So now oh, Mike no. is in first place, and I'm in second. Man, if you just made that one decision differently, you'd be the one in first. But I guess that's that's how it goes. But you're still obviously in a really good spot. I know that uh, Brian is definitely tilting a little bit with all the tough competition he's facing in Tier 2. Uh, so let's take a look at your team, I guess. like It seems like you've got, obviously, David Pasternak and Patrice Bergeron. So it's a nice pair of Bruins, which actually isn't helping you today because we're recording this on Saturday afternoon, and there's 10 minutes left in the Bruins versus Rangers matinee game. It's 2-0 for the Rangers. What's happening uh, I, I haven't been able to watch much of it but i i don't know I, I i'll tell you what's wrong actually it's them not having charlie mcavoy in the top power play i understand that they want to get Grizzlick going but if you if you look back to the games where charlie was the top power play defenseman they were winning games and they were producing on the power play bergeron himself said that they were becoming stagnant so you gotta get gotta get charlie back on that top yeah. power play well, I guess it's just a matter of time. And yeah, you have McAvoy as well. So you definitely are banking on these Bruins to not get shut out too often. Okay, let's look at these draft results. So you drafted 11th overall out of 14th. What, what do you usually prefer, drafting near the beginning, middle, or end in a snake draft? Oh, beginning. I want to try to get my hands on McDavid. I've never owned McDavid. So really, really hoping, always, always really hoping to try to uh, get you know either the first or second pick. But I do enjoy being towards the end because I feel like I can get really good value with that with that second pick, which I did this year. Yeah, I really like what you did. Honestly, so you have Stamkos and Pasternak as your first two picks. So obviously that's like a steal of the draft right there. And Pasternak going 18th overall. Obviously people were a little worried that the injury would go for longer than it ended up. Ended up being just like basically one matchup and then you had him back. Uh, so I feel like I'd be much happier with Stamkos and Pasternak over, like, let's see, Brian's the one who got McDavid. He got McDavid and Dougie Hamilton. So I guess you can't really complain that he got Malcolm third. But uh, I would be pretty happy with your draft as well. Then, you though, you didn't. I don't know. It seems like a bit of a whiff on pick three with Brent Burns. But uh, you ended up trading him, right? So you don't even have to worry about him anymore. I did, yes. And that, that was my justification for getting him out the door. But <laughs> wasn't feeling too good about that third round pick. What was that trade again? I think it was with Brian, right? I traded with uh, another Brian in San Jose. And that was I obtained, or I guess, I, I don't know what the proper language is, right? I'm rostering. Uh, Ovechkin 
and Severson, and I sent off to the other Brian. I sent him Brock Besser and Brent Burns. So at the time, I really thought that uh, Besser's production was going to slow a little bit, and I thought that Ovechkin was going to pick back, pick things back up. But it seems as though right, this condensed schedule with Ovechkin is kind of making things a little bit difficult for him to be normal OB. Yeah, like Besser's had such a crazy year. Yeah, Ovi's having a down year, but in Kakupful, he's still so useful, right? Like, even with uh, games where he only scores one goal, when, when you see Ovi only score one goal, it's like, oh no, what a down game for Ovechkin. But like, he still took seven shots in the last games. So he got 8.5 Kakupful points. So if he could just do that most of the time, like you look at his game log, it's pretty sweet. So I guess you, you're not complaining too much. But regardless of your draft and your trades, you clearly have another way that you've gone and built your team and that's by going ham in free agency i just checked and you have no fab left you spent all hundred dollars of your fab budget are you happy with the return you've gotten from all that spending uh so i have blown all my fab you're correct there uh i took a minute to reflect on all of the players that i picked up and i'm noticing that i didn't even have a single one dollar bid uh it just and i am relieved that i have no more fab left because i can't tell you how many times i've picked up my phone in the middle of the night and said, no, 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 one more dollar, one more dollar. Right, this person. Yeah. So now it's just, I have to have a long list of who I want to add. And if someone steals them, well, I ha- will have 10 more people lined up to, uh, to draft, to, to pick up instead of them. Yeah, I think, honestly, that might be an underrated strategy. Like, there is a lot of stress that goes into trying to figure out how much to bid on a player. And at the end of the day, just because you thought that you wanted, I don't know, Yol Armia more than Adam Bokvist or whatever, might turn out that you're happy that you didn't get Armia and you got Bokvist instead. I'm just looking at players on your team who you've picked up recently. So, yeah, I definitely agree that maybe it's just nice not have to worry about it and you can just set your priority order. In the end, you'll get a player. And these are waiver wire players. So there's obviously some exceptions, like a crazy good player gets dropped or like there's a goalie injury and all of a sudden everyone's rushing to grab Auntie Ranta or whatever. But overall, like who do you even have left uh, who you've been? Like, did you at least like, yeah, you were saying it's nice to not have to worry about Fab anymore by being at zero. But in the meantime, do you have any gems, prizes on your roster to uh, feel rewarded for spending it all? I'm very happy that Adam Boquist has somehow managed to fall into my lap for just $3 because he has become a fixture on that, uh, Chicago power play, and it's really difficult to be able to nail down uh, a, a good power play defenseman. So I'm very happy that Boquist is still on my team. Uh, after listening to your most recent interview with William Nadeau, I'm very, very happy to have Ilya Sorokin on my team nice. for just $6. I kind of jumped on the hype train with Ranta as I am in danger of losing this week. So I wanted to try to grab a goalie, and who knows how long. Darcy Kemper will be out, and after that stinker from Aiden Hill last night, I think he could uh, continue to produce a little bit more and see some time. And uh, I couldn't resist having uh, Yaroslav Halak on my team after that great shutout. Uh, but some whips that I had were Alexandra Texier for $11, and I grabbed Drake Batherson pretty early for $9, and then he went on a cold streak, and he's been hot again, but I dropped him long before that amazing like six or seven goal streak that he had. 
Yeah, well, Ben and Lewis on short shifts, like, called that Batherson would slow down. But it was unfortunate. You know, it's not exactly like clockwork, right? I think that they did an episode where Batherson had scored maybe in, like, three games in a row. And then they were like, ah, he's probably not going to keep this up. Then he still maybe had two more games where he scored goals before he slowed down. So people who dropped him uh, regretted it. But now he's kind of slowed down again. So maybe, I mean, it doesn't seem like you have so many open spots on this roster to fit Batherson in. Maybe, like, this UL Armia spot. But you always want to have a streamer. I noticed you have, so you have four goalies now, like you mentioned. So you have Sorokin and Varlamov. You've got the tandem on the Islanders that must feel good just every time the Islanders play you know you're going to get a good start then you have Halak and Antti Ranta Halak's obviously really useful now since Rask is injured we don't know exactly when he'll be back do you have you ever rostered four goalies before it's a pretty rare strategy in Kukupful it is rare uh, but the the stakes are high in this matchup right now I'm playing uh someone else uh, Kyle who's in in contention for taking away that that uh, coveted buy spot in our division so I have to pull out a win, and I usually go for goalies when the stakes are high and I need a win. And we are we are very close in our matchup, and I'm I had been hoping that Halak could uh, pull out another miracle, but that's looking uh, not so promising. Yeah, I mean, I guess this works out for you, especially on a busy Saturday. All your like skater spots are filled anyways except for one defense spot and then with your goalies now yeah you're going to get Varlamov and Halak today and then you're going to get Ranta and Sorokin tomorrow or if like Varlamov plays again doesn't even matter you don't even have to worry about it and Ranta's already confirmed so yeah I guess it's the kind of situation where you need to be flexible right and I guess that's why you're up in tier two I'd imagine you've gone from having one and two goalies up to four and I'm sure you won't be shy to go back down to two if you need to absolutely yes I have a very short leash with the goalies uh, and go, I was looking through uh, my fab ads, and I tended to spend a lot more money on goalies simply because it's when when you're trying to uh, get that edge in a very close matchup, I feel like goalies have that opportunity to go ahead and tip the scale in that uh, streaming spot. They're, they're high risk, right? They can give you zero or even negative numbers, but you can also get like, you, you can get a big hit with them and be able to get at least 10 points. So that's uh, that that's the strategy that I try to try to put forth. I got very lucky with uh, Mike Smith during his hot streak, mm. as well as uh, Chris Drieger, but both of them are not with our team anymore. Well, no, I think that's the sign of a good manager is you know when to let go of the player and swap to someone else. You know, thank you for your service, and now goodbye. And yeah, with goalies, I guess the extra added risk is you could add a goalie, then they could turn out they don't play because a lot of the goalies don't get confirmed the day before. So now you're in a good situation this week where it looks like, like I said, you're going to get both two Saturday games and two Sunday games. Uh, but yeah, I'm definitely always up for the risk of potentially getting a negative for the big reward. I'm just more concerned about picking up a goalie than having them not even play. Uh, so I, I wanted to ask you so much more because you've been around in the couple for a while now. You've been with us since we did a categories league over on Fantrax. And now here we are four years later on Yahoo doing a points league. So what are your thoughts on how the league has changed over the years from when you joined into how it's looking now? Right. Uh, so I personally, I love categories when it comes to fantasy hockey. I was introduced to fantasy sports with fantasy football. And right, that's generally uh, all points. But I was really drawn towards uh, categories and that it's so unique and different from kind of the traditional uh, fantasy sports. Uh, so I really did enjoy uh, categories with, with Kakuffle, and I got my, my first win uh, in the categories league. But I do really enjoy the, uh, the, the point system that we have now. Uh, I mean, goals are valued the highest, and come on, that's the most exciting part of hockey. So how can you not want right. to get excited about goals? Uh, in terms of the platform switch from Fantrax to Yahoo!, I did really like the uh, 12 noon ads that we got from Fantrax, being able to look through 
uh, my waiver priority right before I had my lunch and then uh, look through the different ads and drops while I was eating my lunch during the day. <laughs> I enjoyed that as well, because I don't know if my employer enjoyed that, because I'm pretty sure I was very unproductive on most days between 11 and 12 as I was trying to decide who to add. Yeah, pulling, pulling my hair out while <laughs> in the middle of the day. Someone uh, slacks me. I'm just like, I can't talk right now. <laughs> we'll talk at 1230. <laughs> but I mean, the, the app, the app user, uh, user friendliness between Fantrax and Yahoo is just, you, you, you can't really compare them. Uh, I mean, I haven't used the Fantrax app uh, lately. I don't know if it's changed in the past four years, but uh, just I feel like the Yahoo app is universal. Pretty much everyone is is able to uh, to use it. So I, I think it's best for you know a huge league like like uh, like the couple. Yeah, for sure. Like Fantrax definitely gives us more functionality, and there's a lot of things I wish we could just bring over. Uh, but we definitely did have some problems of some people getting confused on fan tracks. You know, people being like, oh, I thought I set my roster, but it turns out I didn't click submit. That's so unfair. Like, you know, complaints like that. And now, obviously, on Yahoo, people have... The people are going to complain no matter what we use, but that's not as much about the people. It's the fact that there's not really a great platform. And Yahoo's given us a lot of gripes over the year, unfortunately. Uh, okay, so that is the history. And now I'm curious to know, since you've been around for so long, is there anything about the cupful rules that you would change going to next year? If we do another rule change bracket podcast where we take all the rules and, and work it down and one of them is going to be implemented, do you have anything that you would submit? I, I don't. I, uh, I was thinking about this for a while. Uh, and I really think we, or not we, it's, it's uh, well, I mean, we are the collective uh, cupful, but of course, um, <laughs> I'd I think we've reached a point where it's uh, it's a really good product. Uh, the the rule that was introduced last year, the counter the trade counter uh, protocol, I think has uh, improved the integrity of the league, and and uh, I think that was the the finishing touch. <laughs> I have noticed that your division has had quite a few counter offers. There was actually just a trade. It was so funny, Brian my friend and co-host of Keeping Carlson, uh, like, you know, was tearing his hair out considering a trade where he was going to give, it was Giordano and Verona for Brock Besser. And I was like, of course, do that for sure. But he's like, no, but Giordano telling me all the reasons why Giordano is still really good. I'm like, I know, but I mean, best. anyways, blah, blah, blah. He finally made the deal. Then he started like messaging after, like, are you aware that Giordano is like o- over the last 30 days, like this rank that, you know, I like obviously anytime you make a trade right away, you start regretting and wondering if you made a mistake. Then I was like, uh, by the time I went to go respond to him, his trade had already been countered. And now uh, Besser has been traded to someone else. So it's, it's pretty wild with the trade counters. I find your division done it more than others I've, I've noticed that myself in in this division this year i've experienced more trades than i've seen in the last three years in a couple and just the the amount of counter offers that are going around are wild so even if a manager accepts a low ball offer in the beginning they can wind up getting something uh you know even or even better for themselves at the end of the day uh, but i i was considering countering that offer that brian had but in the end i thought it was kind of okay for him to have besser because in the week that we will be playing each other, Besser will only be playing three games. So I, w- I would have been all right with that. Oh, so smart. Yeah, looking at who your opponents are on certain weeks. Yeah, it's like, yeah, Brian, you take Besser. He's going to be your anchor on the week that I play you. I like that. 
Yeah, the the counteroffer strategy gets really interesting, right? Because like you said, like I actually made an offer. I got laughed out of the room, unfortunately. But like to cousin Dave, he wrote in our Slack that he needs a defenseman. So I was like, okay, how about I'll trade you Seth Jones for Evgeny Malkin? And I was like, it may seem bad, but you'll probably get a really great counteroffer out of it because people are going to be mad about me getting Malkin. So why don't you make this deal? And I'll bet you you're going to end up getting a better defenseman than Seth Jones out of the deal. But he said no. But Dave, if you're listening, I think you should reconsider. I think it's a good deal for you. Uh, okay, so I guess to finish off a question I love that Marcus asks everyone he interviews, do you have any advice for other new couple players? If someone's coming in and they want to be like Matt, climb up to tier two, potentially up to tier one soon, what would you tell them they need to do? Uh, so for any newbies coming in, definitely buckle up. Uh, the, the competition is very stiff here. Uh, and everyone is seeking ultimate couple glory. <laughs> uh, if, I definitely recommend listening to uh, Dave Benton's stream scheme. Because streaming is absolutely essential for the couple, unless your draft is perfect. And I don't think anyone had a perfect draft. Of course. Um, and then one final thing is to never give up on your week. The standings in the in the couple can get so close in terms of uh, the win loss record. Uh, so total points is extremely important. So un- unless you're absolutely desperate for a win, just try to squeak out as many points as you possibly can each week. Try to climb that ladder. Yeah, that's really good advice, especially this season. Only 12 regular season matchups. So I guarantee you there's going to be a lot of divisions that have a tie for sixth place, and it's going to come down to overall season standings to determine who gets in and who doesn't. So Matt, this has been a blast talking to you. Uh, I've been trying to keep this short. I noticed Stat Attack, these interviews are only around a half an hour or so. Usually I'm used to talking to people for an hour, and even still I want to go for longer. But I guess we'll have to end it here. But people should definitely reach out and chat with you over on our Discord channel. Uh, Why don't you tell people how they can reach out to get some more of this great advice and to follow along with how you're doing. Sure thing. Uh, Elan, thanks for having me on the Stat Attack. It's great to be able to talk with you and be able to reach uh, different members of the Kukupful community if anyone wants to chat. Uh, my handle on Discord is Matt Doggy Fresh, and there's a silly picture of a dog as my icon. Uh, yeah, and you're colored green on our Discord to signify that you're also a volunteer commissioner. So you're a big, huge part of the community. We really appreciate it. And thanks so much for coming on for this great interview on the Stat Attack. Thank you, Elon. Thank you, Elon and Matthew. Before we get to the player and manager stats this week, a quick minute to shout out some of those that made this podcast possible. A big thanks goes to Kevin E. Bear for his hard work on the statistical views you'll find on kakupful.com. Make sure to give him much love on Discord for his hard work. Also a shout out to jnsoftware.ca. JN Software is a software and soft skills training and consulting company. It was started 19 years ago by my wife Joy, and since then has grown to have operations across Canada and North America. In recent years, governments have placed a greater emphasis on increasing the accessibility of documents to those with disabilities, including introducing legislation requiring accessibility be taken into account both in public and private sector organizations. Head over to our blog at jnsoftware.ca blog for our recent post that includes free resources to help you make your Word, Excel, and PowerPoint documents more accessible including free ribbons you can install to support accessibility in those programs, and a recording of our free webinar on reducing barriers in documents. Now back to the show. It's time for player analysis. The best fantasy performers from the last seven days are In goal, Thatcher Demko retains his top spot for the second week in a row with 26.05 fantasy points last week. On defense, the Edmonton duo of Tyson Berry and Darnell Nurse took advantage of being tied to one of the best forward lines in the league, 
with 30.25 and 28.75 points respectively. At left wing, Leon Dreisaitl with 45 points is the player of the week. At right wing, Adrian Kempe with 32.75 points narrowly beats Kirill Kaprizov. Meanwhile, at centre, Dreisaitl would also win this position, but we'll give it to linemate Connor McDavid and his 41.25 points. All aboard for Transaction Junction. Anti Ranta breached the transaction threshold this week, getting picked up 24 times despite there being only 23 divisions in the Cacupful, with one drop happening in between. Meanwhile, Andrew Mangiopani and Alexander Georgiev got dropped 16 times with only one pickup. In Fab Fans, Jesse Pugliarvi continues to be the highest paid player in the Cacupful, with $250 in Fab spent on him this year. But Ranta took a run at him, getting his own total up to 184. Brandon Saad, meanwhile, leapt ahead for most pickups with 72 for the year, dramatically outpacing Nils Hoglander and his 64. Up next, it's who's rostered and who's not stirred. Zach Hyman is the best performer this year who's still available in at least one cacupful division, with 124.5 points accumulated. Joel Edmondson is the skater who gets the least love in the cacupful, with 20% of Yahoo leagues rostering him, while only one cacupful team has him on their roster. Conversely, Alex Iafalo is a cacupful darling, with a 100% roster rate to his only 9% on Yahoo. Let's check in with our managers on the fast track. Doc Doc Gusev of Tier 2 Ottawa extended his lead this week, creating a 73.8 point gap between himself and Tier 5 Melkers seeing like a skate. My Team Microsoft Excel of Tier 3 Boris is in third, Tier 6 Rulers Lethbridge Wolves fourth, and Tier 4 Lungby's True Grit in fifth, but we're all over 100 points back. Keep an eye on the daily updated standings on kakupful.com, and remember, winner gets automatic promotion to Tier 1 next year, so make sure to squeeze every last point out of your rosters. This week's Kakupful Performer of the Week is Krill the Thrill of Tier 4 Sodotalgia, with 345.7 points. Krill the Thrill's team was unsurprisingly helped by Kirill Kaprasov and his 32.5 point week last week. But he also got strong performances from McDavid, Brady Kachuk, Evander Kane, and Oliver Bjorkstrand, as well as Nick Ehlers. And the Islanders' heavy defense of Letty and Pulak were outshined by excellent performances from Dougie Hamilton and Detroit's Heronik. With just 11 points collected from goalies, rostering only James Reimer, Krill the Thrill's skater-heavy composition served them well this week, making them the Kakupful Performer of the Week. On this week, statistically unlikely, two teams remain unbeaten at 8-0, Filthy Animal of San Jose Tier 2 and Knife Town Toddlers of Binghamton Tier 3. Meanwhile, five teams are at 0-8, including AZ for Lottery, The Health Fanatics, Steal Your Face Off 2, The Rhymenoceros, and Hornpain Bears. Yes, AZ for Lottery continues their run of competent performances, getting completely steamrolled by statistically unlikely opponents, putting in a solid 224 points showing this week, only to be crushed by a 260-point opponent. The 2,253.1 points they face this year are a full 114 more than any other team in the Cacupful has faced. This week's highlighted matchup comes from Tier 5 William, where 6-1 Mooning Matthews took on 4-3 Ryan's team. This matchup had the second highest combined score in the entire Cacupful last week, and either team would have won if matched up against any other opponent in their division. But sadly, there can be only one winner. 
The score was close until Wednesday, when Dreisaitl's 23-point night moved Ryan's team into the lead. Thursday saw Mooning Matthews claw that lead back, despite an unhelpful negative six-point performance from Anton Kudobin. Big nights for both teams Friday and Saturday saw them going into Sunday, with Mooning Matthews leading 261 to 260.35. Both had five players active Sunday, and the Colorado game was big for both teams, with Grubauer netting 9.45 points for Ryan's team in a Colorado win, mostly provided by Nazem Kadri, who gave Mooning Matthews 10 points. But Mooning Matthews had more Colorado players, with Burakovsky adding 9.5 points. By the time the dust settled Sunday night, Mooning Matthews had a 289.75 to 285.8 point victory. Perhaps comforting to Ryan's team was the fact that the margin of his defeat was 3.95 points. Had it been 0.2 points smaller, he would have been devastated that he'd left the now-healthy Ayafalo and his IR, who went on to get 3.75 points on Sunday, which didn't count towards Ryan's total. Abundance of pasta of Tier 3 Boris is the top mover and shaker with 38 moves made this year. Weaponized Cap Space and Blackout are at 37 right behind. Top big spenders this week include Melker Tier 5's Do the Dougie spending $32 on Tom Wilson, Frolunda Tier 3's It Still Burns dropping 24 on Carter Hart, and Phila Tier 6's Filthy Animals combining the two above sentences to spend $24 on Tom Wilson. And we have a winner. As announced in Elon's interview earlier, Tier 2 San Jose's Pasta La Vista Baby has said Pasta La Vista to their fab by being the first manager to spend it all. And that's it for this week's episode. Make sure to check out kakupful.com for more stats on players and teams. We'll be back next Monday to review the goings-on around the league. In the meantime, you can reach out to us on Discord, and we'll see you in Week 9.